Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to the Word of a King. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Amen, amen. Welcome back to another edition of the Word of a King podcast. It has been several months since hmm. we've uh, did our last podcast. Podcast number 25 was on the raging battle of repentance. And uh, we haven't done one since, but we've had good reason for the delay. And uh, some of that, we were very busy rolling out Lighthouse Bible Institute. So that is up and going. We're in week six. And uh, uh, how's uh, how's this to been going for you so far, brother? Hmm. I love it. I'm teaching a New Testament survey, Galatians, Ephesians, and Genesis. Amen, amen. So it's truly a labor of love. I'm just, I feel so blessed. Obviously, well, a lot of Christians, there's nothing they'd rather do, and I, I kind of work part time, kind of do that, and then have a couple different things I do to make money. But it's just such a blessing. I love studying the Bible. It's the Lord's shown me stuff, and of course, all the training and all that over the years, and books I've read, and I love teaching. And then I'm taking a lot of the classes too and learning because you can always learn more Bible. So I, I've I've loved it. <laughs> yeah, it's been great, and uh, far. Uh exceeded my expectations. We ended up with 61 students. So praise the Lord, of course, that is both in person and live online through Zoom. And I think that's worked out well. We have students in three different countries and all throughout the U.S. So that is why our pause in the Word of a King podcast, or hope to pick up and uh, do monthly, and then maybe in the summer months do a little bit more frequently. Uh, But we hope you take time to like and share this video. We're going to get into a real important, I believe, doctrinal subject uh, this evening. Um, But uh, nevertheless, again, it's good just to be back live with our next episode. But uh, before we get into that episode, I think you got a little story for us, don't you? I do have a story. And when you get you, you go tell your story. I need to get me one of those bubbly drinks. Okay. Go ahead, go ahead. Tell your story. I'll be right back. I just started working part-time at a Chinese restaurant, and I worked there, same restaurant, about 10 years ago or so. And it's just a carry-out. Nobody comes in and sits down and eats. They just pick up their food and leave. So there's two cooks and me, and I run the register, and I pack the food. And the one cook speaks just very little English. The other cook speaks zero English. So the other night I'm working and they just talk amongst themselves. They don't really, there's no small talk. They don't ever mess with me. I just bring my Bible and I read in between the customers and which is a blessing. So the Lord laid it on my heart, probably the flesh, but I like to say the Lord. (laughs) I'm a pretty goofy guy if you don't know me that well. And I said, I'm going to make these guys laugh. So the one guy, he's got this big butcher knife, you know, he's cutting up vegetables and that. And then later on the night, he's mopping the floor. So I get the butcher knife and I, I whistle to him and go, hey, hey. And I show him the butcher knife, and I show him my hand, and I act like I'm cutting my finger off. And then I do this to him. I go. 
And he's just like, oh, and then he gets the other guy, and then he looks at me and I show him the knife and I do the finger trick. My grandma taught me that, but yeah. So that was it. And he really appreciated it, but it wasn't just in the flesh. And I love to make people laugh, but I set him up because I ordered some chick track or not chick tracks, some tell it like it is. I think the greatest tracks ever produced by Dr. Ackman. They're very long though, but they have cartoons and it's just very thorough about our condition and we're going to go to hell and that Jesus is the only one that saves and religion can't save you. And it's got a drawing. Then it's got like pretty much nothing but Bible. So I gave him those tonight. I ordered two tell like it is in Chinese. And so I was leaving there just an hour ago, and I said, oh, oh, and I showed him that. I said, I, I order online, because the one guy speaks a little bit of English. I said, I order online for you. Oh, oh, for me? I'm like, yeah, very, very important. Oh, thank you. Like He acted really Amen. appreciative, and I said, heaven, heaven, Jesus, you know, God. Oh, okay, thank you. Only one for each of you. And then I left. So hopefully they got saved tonight. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord, brother. And now that's a good, good story, and uh, it just shows, you know, there is obviously an element of our witness where we just need to build relationships. And of course, we're Bible believers. We're not talking about just lifestyle evangelism, right? Yeah. Uh, but it is good to be friendly and use humor, humor and build those relationships. I think in my Christian life, the most success, if you want to say that, where I've actually seen more people that I've personally led to the Lord was through coworkers and people that I had relationships with, because they get to know you, and they see you're genuine and care about them, has some humor. So praise the Lord. I, I enjoyed that story. I know you shared it uh, when you filled in and preached. It was yeah. a blessing, <laughs> and uh, we, we appreciate your humor and appreciate uh, your service to the Lord, and it's just been good again. So with that, uh, also Brother Micaiah is teaching at uh, Lighthouse Bible Institute, and that's been good. He's teaching sermon outlines in the book of Matthew, and then I am uh, teaching preparation and delivery, and what's my other class? Oh, yeah, Rightly Dividing. How did I forget that? (laughs) So we've been enjoying, I've been enjoying that. I think the students have too. So with that said, though, we're going to take on a pretty heavy subject, uh, controversial to some, um, pretty pretty straightforward to me. Um, And what I mean by that is pretty obvious, and and I think uh, um, it's clear. Now, I know I say those statements, a lot of uh, brethren or some of the brethren are going to object to that, but we're going to talk about and discuss what I like to call the gap fact. But for uh, <laughs> just for sake of the brethren, so they don't have a heart attack, I'm going to label it the gap doctrine. They want me to call it the gap theory, but I refuse to do that. And uh, we don't call any other doctrine a theory. If it's a theory, um, you know, maybe, maybe if you have an idea, you would just mention it in passing in the pulpit, but you sure wouldn't spend 10 weeks on it. <laughs> so I'm past the fact that it's a theory. I hope so. Yeah, amen, brother, amen. Uh, <laughs> so I believe it's a doctrine. I do believe it's a fact, but my compromise, instead of calling it the gap fact, I'll call it the gap doctrine. I don't think that will please the critics much. What do you think? I think no. that's, that's a, a, I don't know, I think that's pretty gracious. Yeah, pretty gracious. I was thinking the same yeah. thing. So um, obviously, I know you're teaching in Genesis, and you've been hitting on it, some good stuff, as I'm able to listen in as I do some other administrative things for um, the Institute and good things. And, you know, I'll just kind of start off by kind of just some general thoughts of why I think it's important. And uh, uh, there's probably others that I could come up with, but I think... <laughs> 
some of the reasons the doctrine of the gap is important, um, it answers questions uh, that are left wanting, I believe, without understanding the doctrine of the gap. And we'll talk about those like, for instance, the fall of Lucifer. When did he have a throne? Where was his throne? Um, I think it also, um, from the very beginning, as Bible believers, and I'll bring this out tonight, I believe, if we have time, um, we understand there's a precedence on how to study the Bible. And how we study the Bible is line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, we compare spiritual things with spiritual. But for some reason, even good Bible-believing brethren want to dismiss this notion, this idea, when it comes to the Genesis gap, because uh, some of these words, if you did that, were pretty conclusive of what they're connected with and what they mean. So, but if you don't believe a Genesis gap and you dismiss that, that you you know, then then you can get away with it. But so establishing these principles from the beginning of how to study the Bible, that the King James Bible is the final authority, not the Webster Dictionary, Amen. <laughs> not the Oxford English Dictionary, the OED, although those all can be good resources. Our final authority is Bible believers. The original. Oh. No, no, is oh. <laughs> the King James Bible. And so when we define the words, we want to use the Bible, and we do that for all other doctrines. So um, those are just a couple of things. Um, well, I texted a good friend of mine who's a pastor because I'm teaching Genesis, and so I got two verses into it, and I had to address the gap. So I texted a good pastor friend of mine and asked him, can you text me some reasons why the gap is important? I don't know if you want me to read his text. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I read this, I uh, said this to the class. The pastor friend was a man named Chad Reese. <laughs> but here's what he told me. And this is what I told the class. And this is what I'll tell you guys. Why is this important? Why, why do a podcast on it? It's just a minor doctrine. Explains the fall of Lucifer. Yeah. Fulfills the trinity of the heavens and earth. Yeah. Pictures our salvation. Understanding the past helps us understand the future. Amen. Reveals wonderful truths about the deep, darkness, etc. Yeah. And Allah had man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That's it. So if it's in the word of God, how can you say, well, why study that? Yeah. <laughs> right? No, absolutely. And uh, whoever came up with that list was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but no, the, absolutely. And those are some of the things we'll talk more in depth about. And, you know, yeah. I was kind of looking at our notes and we'll see how it goes. We may do two episodes on this. Uh, we probably won't be able to answer all the objections and questions and discuss all the points or maybe we will. We'll see how it goes. And if there's a lot of feedback or questions, maybe we'll answer those in, in part two if we don't cover them tonight. Uh, but it is a subject that I'm fascinated by. I have a, let me see, this is just rough pamphlet here. These are, oh, I don't know, about a hundred and some pages or maybe about a hundred pages just on the gap. And those are simply just references and notes. I've also got some drawings made and charts illustrated. And one day by the grace of God that uh, we'll, I'll put that in print in a book. But you know, I was praying and I don't want to as the old cliche of the old saying goes, let the cat out of the bag too soon. But uh, I actually was thinking, Brother Brian, and we'll leave this as a suspense note. I actually think that should be book number two to book number one, because it will be the prequel of book number one that's going to be on the on the, the agenda. So okay. um, I think it, it, you, know, <laughs> uh, you release this, and then you write the prequel, prequel? to it. Yeah, okay. yeah so I think, uh, you know... 
with what book number one is going to deal with. And again, we won't say much more about that, but uh, just I'll say this. Keep me me and Brother Brian in prayer. I will say this. Lord willing, we are going to co-author a book. And uh, the book is not on the gap, but it's on a very fascinating subject. And with that said, I think the book on the gap would be a good prequel to this book, meaning write this book first, but then go back in time, and it will kind of fit in with the nature of the other book. Yeah. So... Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get into the the idea, the doctrine of the gap. Um, let's see. So let's just start off with the simple fact that one of the objections is, and we're not going to just start with all objections, but this would be just a natural way to get in it, that you don't get the doctrine of the gap just by reading Genesis chapter one, and. Uh, you don't have to have a long answer, but uh, any thoughts about that, brother? Like, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, he's got thoughts about well, it. Well, so. first of all, I would say just from reading chapter one, right. there are a lot of questions. Right. Now, all the all the branches of this doctrine, of the, the tree, of the, you know, the gap, and then yeah. all the branches off of it, you don't get in chapter one. But there are certainly some questions, which I'm sure we'll get into, that if there is no gap, arise. But I would say... I don't know one major doctrine in the Word of God where you just go by one chapter, yeah, right. whether it's the rapture or salvation by grace through faith or uh, dispensationalism. Sure. Very few doctrines, if I'm a guest of deity of Christ, you can just show one verse, or the gospel, you can show one verse. But even in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, there's, it doesn't mention repentance, it doesn't mention hell, right. it doesn't mention judgment. So read Paul's sermon, some of the greatest sermons in the book of Acts. Acts 16.31, believe on Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. That's it. That's the only verse we need. No, actually, it's not the only verse you need. Amen. Just telling someone that, a Catholic believes that, a Jehovah's Witness believes that. you got to have more than believe on Lord Jesus Christ. So we take all the Bible when looking at the doctrine of the gap, as we do with any doctrine on the face of the earth in the Bible. So, of course, you don't just take one chapter. You don't do that with anything. Yeah, no, and actually, absolutely. And that's spot on exactly how I've answered that objection. And uh, um, that is not how the Bible is written. No, I'll, I'll be the first to say, I wish it was. Yeah. <laughs> I wish instead of laying out the history of man and God, you know, interjecting these doctrines throughout the history of man, through these stories, the real account of people's lives, and then interjecting and dispensing different information, you know, he reveals here and reveals here. And again, it's just the very principle of the Bible. Bible is is it's we need to compare spiritual things with spiritual. We know that the word of God, the words that He speaks, they are spirit and they are life. And so, God, how God wrote His book is you have to compare John with Revelation, with Daniel, so on and so forth, just to understand it. So the idea that I should flip to Genesis chapter 1 and, and it should just stand out and, oh, there's the doctrine of the gap. Well, that's not how the Bible's written. <laughs> Second of all, as you mentioned, Brother Brian, it's not like there's not indications of the gap, but if you ignore those indications or signs, of course you don't see them. And we're going to get more in, in detail with this, but like you said, there's many a questions just reading Genesis chapter 1. Why is there darkness? Why is the earth without form and void? And, and so they act like there is no possibility of it, and everything's kosher and everything's good, and you know it can't be in there. Next thing I'll say, and I'll just give you an opportunity if you want to give any examples, or I can. Um, we know, without a doubt, that gaps are a fact. Mm. They're a fact. It's 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 not even disputable. And so, 
If this was the only gap in the Bible, I would agree. That's far-fetched and most likely we're wrong. But the Bible is filled with gaps. And and again, we're just kind of having this discussion. We haven't rehearsed this. We haven't even studied this out. And so, Brother Brian, is there any examples you can think of, top of your head, of, you know, or any anything in regards to this idea that gaps are facts? Like you said, there are tons of gaps in the Bible. Pretty much all the prophecies about Jesus Christ that talk about his first coming, yeah. almost every single one, you're talking 50, 60, 70 references, or maybe even in the hundreds, there's a gap. Right. There's right. a gap between the first advent and second advent. We're in that gap. It's been going on for 1900 and. 80 years, however, however long it's been going on. I, turned, I just turned to Zechariah 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, having salvation lowly, riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And then it gets into the second advent. Yeah. And that's just one of many examples. That was Jesus Christ's triumphal entry. It's quoted by Matthew, by, by Luke, by, by all the gospel writers. And but it leaves off the second advent, right? So, yeah, that's a gap, absolutely. And again, like you said, thousands of years, um, real close in Genesis chapter one. I mean, you just go over to two chapters to Genesis chapter three, mm. and you got the messianic, the first messianic promise in Genesis chapter three, verse uh, 15. The Bible says, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. Of course, we know the heel. Well, first of all, the, the whole idea that that the woman has a seed, and one day the seed's going to show up, right? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and that happens thousands of years later. And then the fact there's more to this. It's talking about the seed of the serpent and how the, the Antichrist is going to show up, and both of them are going to be bruised. But Jesus Christ's heel was bruised on Calvary. Now, I find it just fascinating that it talks about his heel. A heel, if you get a wound to the heel, it hurts. <laughs> and Calvary hurt. Uh, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ gave his very lifeblood, but praise God, he got up from the grave. It wasn't a mortal wound that took him out. Amen. <laughs> but the devil gets a wound to the head. And of course, we know that's going to be at the second advent, and you get all the types and pictures of the people being wounded in the head in the Old Testament. Well, that all happened with Abel, you're saying? Because that was the seed of the woman. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no. And that's a 4,000-year gap. Right. And then there's a 2,000-year gap on top of it. Exactly. So you got multiple Double gaps. gaps. Yeah, and one verse in Genesis 3.15. Of course, there's scores of other verses, just think at the top of my head, in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus Christ has been given the book, and as he did, as his custom was, and he reads there Isaiah chapter 61. And of course, we know he closes the book. And as we just look at that in the class of rightly dividing, he closes the book because everything he read in verses one and part of verse two is the first advent. And where he closes the book is second advent. And then that last part of the verse, I believe, even goes into the millennium to comfort them that mourn. So again, gaps. They're all throughout the Bible. So I just want to establish the fact that gaps are fact. They're fact. Uh, so um, any other thoughts or comments in regards to that? No, nah, you covered pretty, it. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> and we could give yeah. more examples. If you need more examples, I got a whole list of uh, Isaiah of 40 with John the Baptist, first 10 verses right. of John the Baptist. And then you got Second Advent and comfort those that mourn. And yeah, yeah amen. All, all throughout there. All throughout. So um, reading genealogies, right? Genealogies, you read about a name, the next thing you know, you're several generations later. Yep. And, you know, I mean, they're just all types of gaps throughout the Bible. 
All right, so second thing, let's move on to this idea. And we don't have to get in, in detail about this at all. Where does this today is going to be just kind of general overview, see where it leads. But um, what about this idea of, well, the gap, the only reason it was taught is because to fight or debunk evolution mm. in the 1800s, Christians uh, were compromising because, you know, science was evolving or advancing. And all of a sudden, this was the answer. Uh, to evolution, what, what's kind of your thoughts on that? Well, if it's in the Bible, it's so. Right. I mean, that, as a Bible believer, that's my first and primary thought on that. But yeah, it has nothing to do with evolution because all gappers, as far as I know, at least we right. believe that Adam and Eve were created six thousand years ago. Amen. Amen. So there weren't any humans and Australopithecus and Peking man and Piltdown man right. and Java man. That doesn't allow for that. Amen. It's not a compromise with evolution. Yeah. And yeah, because Adam was man has been on Earth for six thousand years, so it's still, as far as fossil evidence and all that, it's still a young. We still believe in six thousand years. Yeah, absolutely. And so, now what's interesting about that is, um, and, and I agree. You know, here here's the thing. I, I just want to make this statement. I know I'll probably be crucified for it, but the Bible doesn't say how old the Earth is, right? And obviously, if you believe in a gap. You believe that the earth is older than mankind. <laughs> Matter of fact, if you don't believe in the yeah. earth, you still believe the earth is older than mankind, at, at least, least by six five, days. Yeah, five, <laughs> five six days. days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but my point is this, and, and I'm not, I'm not, like you said, Brother Brian, I never went to the Bible and started saying, man, I got to figure out the gap because evolution is true. The idea that we have to create more time to, to combat a gap is ludicrous. It's ludicrous for two reasons. First of all, it's absolutely ludicrous because, because that's not why we believe the gap. It's not even why we built the doctrine. We believe because the Bible says so. Second of all, that would imply that someone thinks that evolution could happen if there was a large amount of time. And I don't care if it was billion years. <laughs> evolution is still false. Right. Right? So yeah. making it extra thousand years, making it extra 30 years, making it extra million years, and I'm not saying it was, doesn't open the door for evolution because evolution's theory is faulty from the premise. Something doesn't come from nothing. Right. Even if you give it a billion years. So what does that have to do with, with the gap, right? So I'm just saying, they don't connect. It's like yeah. what it is, it's a straw man. It's called the straw man argument. You build up a straw man. And a straw man's built up because it's easily tore down. But the problem is that's not our position. So we'll tear down the straw man with you. Evolution is false. And Paul warned, uh, as they say, to avoid uh, profane babbling in opposition of science falsely so-called. And so let us just be clear that evolution is science falsely so-called. And this has nothing to do with evolution. Right. So hopefully that rambling made sense. <laughs> but just because you have more time doesn't allow for evolution because evolution is science falsely so-called. And I don't care if it was a billion years, it still would never occur. Yep, they still have not observed. And it, I just gave my first Genesis test the other night, and that was two of the tests on there was explain how, if, if atheistic evolution is true, how did nothing become something, and how did non-life become life? Like that's that's not science. That's faith. That's right. fantasy land. Exactly. Other than a God outside of His creation and omnipotent and omniscient and all that, you can't have nothing become something and death, non-living matter become life. Amen. So yeah. 
So the fact that there's a gap, which we believe there is, obviously, has nothing to do with evolution. Has And you say, well, how, how old is the earth? I really don't know. I like what you emphasize at Lighthouse Bible Institute. Sometimes even good Bible men, can they can plant their flag and try to make things on the things that the Bible just doesn't say. So we know this, that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? The Bible does not tell us how long ago that was. Therefore, I don't know. This we do know emphatically. You can trace the genealogies from Adam all the way to present time, and man is about a little over about 6,000 years old, right? You can trace it all the way back. So man has only been here for 6,000 years. That's what we do know. So one other point with that I want to make sure that people understand is we both believe, and everyone I know that believes in the gap, believe in six literal 24-hour days of what we would call of the remaking or recreation of the earth. So we're not saying each day is a million years or day two is you know second billion years, whatever the case is. Um, no, there's six literal 24-hour days, and man was created then. So yeah, sun shows up on the fourth day, so yeah, you can't have life without the sun. And uh, was it a vegetation on the third day, right? I don't remember. Yeah, it is. Making me look awful because no, that was no, on the test. Okay. They had to like, know each day what happened. I'm a herbs and grass yeah, third yeah, day. Exactly. Yeah, I think day. so. And so I think God did that order to show you that it had to be 24 hour period of time, right? Because if you had the sun and moon first and then the grass, well, they could last live without the other. But the other way around, it can't, right? Yeah, right. So it shows it had to be a very short period of time. And again, we believe 24 hours. The evening and the morning was the first day. Um, how about, uh, is there any thoughts that you want to get into before we dive into anything else? Anything, any subjects on your mind in regards to the gap? I'm not sure what you're going to mention. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> Go in any order you want. Second Peter 3 is awesome. Genesis 1, 2, about the destruction and sure. without form and void and where, where did the water come from? Sure. I mean, those are really interesting yeah. things. I, got, I had like 15 things on them. I know we're not going to cover them all. Sure. But I gave the class a lot of these. The the best of the best. Yeah. But, Why don't you just... Talk about some of them, and we'll see where the discussion goes. Well, a good one is uh, Adam was told to replenish the earth and to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. That's one of the great proofs for the gap. And it was the same thing that God told Noah, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. There was something here before Noah. Absolutely. There was something there before Adam. The earth, when Noah was told that, it was preceded by a flood. We say when Adam was told that, it was preceded by a flood. Noah had three sons named. Adam had three sons named. Amen. The similarities. One was cursed. One was blessed. Yeah. One's a type of Christ. Noah sinned by putting something in his mouth he shouldn't have. Adam sinned by putting something in his mouth he should have and filling the gap. What did I forget? I'm sure I forgot a few more. You know, I I know similarities. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk about them in it because, again, that's just a very interesting thing uh, of subject here. And so... Obviously, and I, you probably mentioned it, and, but the whole point is Noah. That and they both sin with a grape, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Both the tree, tree of knowledge of good and evil was yeah. a grape. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The only forbidden from the yep. Bible. Yep. Number six. Yep, absolutely. So the thing is, um, with this idea, this is what I was saying. One of the importance is we have to define the Bible with the Bible. Now, Folks, even even you know, like I said, Bible believers, though all of a sudden not want to 
cross-reference replenish Mm. and the want to run to the Webster's or the want to run to some other dictionary. And let me just say this uh, again, in my book, when I put it out, I will have the documents in there. I'm not going to bore you with the facts today, but I promise you that the word replenish did mean um, to refill when it was written. Um, so the, the fact is they say, well, that word back then only meant to fill. And so that's their argument. But that's not correct. Um, I have the documents that show that it doesn't mean that. It meant to fill again to a former state. And matter of fact, mm-hmm. one of the references is 1612. So the very time frame <laughs> that the King James Bible is being written, the OED documents that in 1612, in the transitive form, when you have a direct object, um, uh, that, that it um, means to fill again. Now, here's the thing. We don't even need to go to all that. Why? Because we can just run the cross-reference. And if God wanted to say, fill, the King James Bible would have said fill. Does God know that word? <laughs> I, I believe he It's does. like the Catholics where it says talks about Jesus Christ's brethren, and they say, well, that means cousins and, or this or that. Well, does God know how to use the word cousin? Actually, he does because Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. Right. Right. God knows the, what the word cousin is and when to use it. God knows what the word Phil is, and he would have used it. And he does. Is it, uh, you got the reference, it's just a few verses prior, right? When he talks about the uh, sea life, and I think it's the whales and all that. I think they're in Genesis 1. Let me see if I can find it. It's just a few, yeah. Verse 22. Um, so if you back up, verse 21. Yep. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the water brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind and God saw it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. Now you can read the rest of the verse, but the point is if God wanted them to use the word fill, he does in other places. Matter of fact, I didn't look up, but I think the word fill is in your King James Bible over a hundred times. Seven times, someone check out these references. I didn't do the in-depth study just for the podcast, but it's about seven times I think it's replenish. But over 100 times, it's fill. And so obviously, they're not the same. God, God used certain times of to fill and certain times to replenish. And I'll say this, and then you can comment whatever you want, but the point is, if you look at the context of the cross-reference with Noah, it wasn't to fill for the first time. Right. So as a Bible believer, if I'm going to run cross-references, the very next one I come to, and you just pointed out all the similarities between Noah and Adam. Noah follows a judgment by water, mm. and he everything's destroyed, and he's told to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Well, surely people don't believe that means to fill it for the first time. Right. So why would you come to that conclusion other than you're not applying the same principles you would with other doctrines? And he tells Adam the same thing. And obviously we believe that he was told that because he needed to replenish, refill the earth that was previously inhabited. Any other thoughts on (laughs) replenish? No, you covered it. I know I do remember you and I have talked about some people say that, you know, re is... like to replay something, yeah. to rewind something is again. Right. 
to review something is to view it again. Right. But the argument is, well, plenish isn't a word, so replenish. The re doesn't mean again. It's just one whole word, replenish. And I know you've got yeah. some information on that, right? Yeah, plenish is a word. Right. Yeah. So you just have to look it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you yes, find like an old dictionary or old reference or something? Like I said, if you're going to look at etymology as a word. Now, Webster's 1820 is a, is a great dictionary because, um, you know, Webster used the Bible a lot of times to, def, to define words. And he would actually give you references in their usage. But Webster is not infallible. But so if you want to find the etymology of a word, Webster's not the dictionary used. Web, uh, the Oxford English Dictionary, OED, online, Oxford English, whatever the abbreviation is. But that is the authoritative work for etymology. So I signed up. You have to sign up unless you have the full, you know, hardback volumes. And I think there's 20 volumes if you have the whole thing. You can get the bridge version and it's just a couple volumes. But 20 books if you have the whole hardback mm. volume. If not, you can sign up for a membership online. And I did when I did this study for my research. And I looked up, and plenish is a word. And so um, I could pull that out maybe next time and read what the actual meaning is. But sure they is. believe us. Yeah. Um, but they can go on OED <laughs> themselves and look, plenish is a word, and so is replenish, and it means to refill even in 1612. Now, interesting thought. You ready for like a little just uh, um, brain quiz or just a little conversational piece on that? The, the, the objection I get was, well, Noah's told to replenish. He's told to refill because there was previously, there was man there. And so he's to refill with man. Well, if you're saying Adam's the first man, then then doesn't the Bible imply then if you believe in a gap that there was men prior to that because he's told to refill the earth, like we're saying. And just so top of your head, any thoughts on that or what you would mm. say? My thought is that's a pretty good argument. <laughs> so we kind of replaced the sons of God and Adam's the son of God and the go. angels were sons that's of God. A, I so. think that's the answer. Okay. The answer, I believe, is because Adam is a son of God. And those who inhabited the earth prior were sons of God. So he just was replacing them with sons of God. Psalm 82, right? Yeah. I've said ye are gods, but ye shall die like men. Absolutely. In Job 1 and Job yeah. 2. And yep. So yes, so the, 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 uh, the inhabitants of the previous earth, the pre-Adamic earth, I do not believe were men. Adam was the first man, but Adam was not the first son of God. That's good. Even if you don't believe in the gap, Adam was not the first son of God. Yeah, we all know that. Right. Unless exactly. you believe Schofield's reference, it's the godly line of Seth sure. in Genesis 6. Sure. But, I mean, yeah. what does Schofield do with uh, Job, though, where they sing? I don't know. I was Adam. thinking that, too. Yeah, I don't know either. But that's nothing, probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, but even a lot of non-gappers <laughs> will say that, you know, the sons of God, I know a lot of uh, several non-gappers who believe that sons of God were the angels, and they would concur that there was sons of God prior to Adam. So anyways, my answer to that would simply believe that God had sons of God prior to rule the earth, and when they fell, that's the angelic host, Lucifer and the angels, that he replaced them with a new son of God. Yeah, that's who was on the earth. Right. They're gone, so right. we're going to fill the earth with humans. Yeah, isn't that kind of what God does? Even, you know, he replaces it with sons of God now, today? <laughs> you know what I mean? So God's interested in sons of God, his direct creation. Right, that's kind of a parallel there with Israel was his firstborn, Exodus 4. He told Moses to tell Pharaoh that. 
Israel's my firstborn. He, uh, Hosea eleven one out of um, Israel's my son out of Egypt have I, out of Egypt have I called my son. Yeah. That's Israel. Well, we've replaced temporarily. They're, yeah. they're cast aside. They're coming back. Right. But for now, we're the sons of God. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I don't know if that'll hold all the way, but that's sure. kind of similar. Five different sons of gods in the Bible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Five of them. That's actually, uh, <laughs> if there's anyone from a Lighthouse Baptist Church or Victory Baptist Church or any other uh, Bible believing church in the Michigan area that's going to be at our youth rally in October, one of the categories on Bible Jeopardy are the sons of God. And really? So, yeah. They got to know all the sons of God. And so, so we're not going to tell them, right? No, it's Bible Jeopardy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, we told them the category. I was about to rattle them off. But... Yeah, no, no, no. That's why I'm saying don't do it. <laughs> I like to rattle so, off stuff, as you so, know. So um, I did not, and I should have. I apologize. I did not uh, pull up the questions or comments coming in. You got your phone pulled up, though. Is I there, do. Is there any comments, questions that came this in? It's a bunch of nonsense from Jonathan Greenshield. <laughs> Jonathan's no, just a kidding, blessing. brother. Jonathan's a blessing. I'm glad you're watching. Thank you for tuning in, Brother Jonathan. Um, we we'll may have Brother Brian scroll through, and if there's any good comments or even a good question, if you want to read any of those, again, we're just going to kind of take this low key. Um, I, I have a strong feeling we'll at least do two episodes on this. But uh, I do have one comment. Go ahead. It's kind of a question. Johnny Ironside, if replenish meant to refill in 1612, isn't that still after the KJV was finished? So that, that's a good point. Now, I didn't give you all the uh, references because there are references prior to 1612. It's not, like, it's not like that term was invented in 1612. No, it's just right. around in 1612. Right. My it's point not of, a new definition yeah, of the word. My point of bringing that out, what was his name? Johnny Ironside. Johnny Ironside. My point awesome of bringing that out brother. is that, obviously, if I quote you a reference in 1612, that is in the very same era, the same timeline. Contemporary. Yeah, it's contemporary with when the King James Bible was written. That's my only point. But there's actually references in the OEDs prior. I, I would give you some dates, but I would be guessing at this point in time because I don't have all my notes in front of me. But again, just go sign up on the OED. Um, it's real simple. Look up the word replenish. Matter of fact, I can even help you out. If you look under the transitive form, it is the fifth uh, usage of the word um, replenish in the OED. I believe the, the earliest is the late 1400s. Um, there's a poet that quotes it, um, and uh, it all means to fill again. So the whole point is this narrative that it did not mean to fill again to a former state in 1611 just is not factual. Doesn't mean you have to believe the gap, but you should believe facts. And I'm not saying this to this gentleman who made the comment. I'm just talking in general. It did mean refill even prior to 1611. Um, so yeah, that was that was a good good linchpin. Let me I'll take one and then you can come up with the next one. So um, I, I think this is important. And what we do is we see God is a God that works in patterns. And uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. And so God does things decently and in order, and God has a pattern in regards to the creative week um, when he creates everything and he makes everything. And so I like to do it this way for a purpose, but we're going to quickly just glance through, and I'll just actually use this, it'll be easier, um, uh, how God ends every day he creates, uh, every day ends the same way. And so Genesis 
one five is the end of day one, and it concludes. It says, "In the evening and the morning were the first day." The end of day two is verse eight, and the evening and the morning. Is that right? Oh, I should say second day, right? Look, my notes are here wrong, and I want to make sure I read it right. Yeah, second day. Okay. All right. Day three, verse 13, in the evening and the morning were the third day. Verse 19, in the evening and morning were the fourth day. Verse 23, in the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Uh, day six, Genesis one thirty-one. in the evening and morning were the sixth day. Of course, and we know, uh, and God rested. So every day ends the same way. It ends by God saying, and the evening and the morning were, then he tells you what day it was. Well, every day also starts the same. See, God does things decently in order. God has a pattern. So if we work backwards, every day starts with, and God said, Genesis 1, 24, this is day six, and God said, all right, day five, Genesis 1, 20, and God said, day four, Genesis 1, 14, and God said, day three, Genesis 1, 9, and God said, day two, Genesis 1, 6, and God said, day one, Genesis 1, 1, no, <laughs> Day one, Genesis 1, 3, and God said. You know what that means? Mm. Verses 1 and 2 uh. were before the first day of creation. I wonder where you were going with that, because yeah. I haven't heard this. This yeah. is new to me. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. God has an order. Every day starts the same, and every day ends the same, and it shows you verse 1 and verse 2 are prior to the first day of the creation of this heaven, or the making of this heaven and this earth, and it makes man and, and everything else that is in this world right now in six 24-hour days. Well, they say that's just a summary. Yeah, that's what they say. Uh, but <laughs> doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like it. That would be their argument. It's a summary. But I, I think what that would lend to is another subject, um, but, but I'll, I'll pick up on that thought in a moment. But I think they have to be honest and say, oh, yeah, day one's not to verse three. And that's when he starts day one. Right. And so you can say whatever you want about verse one and two. But this we know. Day one and two are not part of the first day. And God said begins verse the first one day. Two. What's that? You mean verse one or two? Yeah, verse one and two yeah. are not part of the first day. Because the first day starts in verse three. And God said... And you learn that because God is, does everything decently in order, and God has a pattern. So I'll follow up with the idea that this is a summary in a moment. So uh, what, what else do you have, or whatever thoughts? Well, I got something that has nothing to do with this, but I don't, you probably don't want me to... What was that story I tell about where was God before he made the foundation of the earth? Oh, no. Remember that said, story? Yeah. yeah I, you remember, though? I don't know if... I mean, it should be okay. Yeah, go ahead. All right, it's from Dr. Ruckman. He, he tells this story. <laughs> Maybe it won't be okay. No, I'm just kidding. You never know. No, I'm just kidding. I love Dr. Ruckman. I told this to class, and I've said it before in sermons. All right, Dr. Ruckman tells this story. I think it was Curtis Hudson and uh, some other guy. They're in some Southern Baptist convention in Louisville, Kentucky or somewhere. And it was so boring. It was nothing but, do I hear a second motion? Do I hear a third motion? Just a bunch of that official, you know, voting on all this kind of stuff for the convention's meeting and what their statement of faith should be. And the guy says to the other guy, it was, um, 
I don't remember the guy's names. I don't know for sure if it was Curtis Hudson, but something like that. Was, you know, he's sort of the lower crowd or something sure. like that. And the guy's like, man, this this thing is a drag. You want to go out of here and go find us some go find us a good a good black church to listen to. And he's like, yeah. So they sneak off and they get to this black church. And the place is packed. They can't get in. So they're outside looking through the window. And uh, the evangelist gets up. This place is packed. He gets up and he's like, preacher, I want to ask you a question. Where was God before he made the heaven and the earth? And the preacher says, mm-mm, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, Deacon, I want to ask you a question. Where was God before he made the foundation of the heaven and earth? And he's like, mm-mm, I don't know. And he's like, choir, I want to ask you a question. Where was God before he made the foundation of the heaven and earth? And the choir all at the same time says, mm-mm, we don't know. And he's like, congregation, where was God before he made the foundation of the heaven and earth? And the congregation all at the same time says, mm-mm, we don't know. And then he's like, white man. <laughs> he, he points up at the window to them peeking in. Where was God before he made the foundation of heaven and earth? And this, this bird says, mm-mm, I don't know. <laughs> so he gives the answer. He's like, well, he was in his glory. That's where he was. Amen. And the guy's like, man, why didn't I think of that? That's good. <laughs> That's my story. Yeah. But I see in the beginning, God, so where was God before the beginning? He was in his glory. Amen. That's where he was, the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. That's what I'm saying. In That's John he 17, he's praying, yeah. and he says that uh, they may behold the glory which I had with thee before the world was. That's John 17 yeah, with Jesus Christ's prayer. So he was yeah. in his glory. Right, absolutely. And that's good because... Uh, <laughs> Just some fun little lightheartedness. Yeah, no, I, I like it, brother. And, and the truth is, where was God before time? He was in his glory. He was in eternity, Yeah. right? In the beginning, God created, there you have mass, the heaven, you have space, and you have earth, right? I'm sorry, you have space and you have earth, and the beginning is time. Matter, yep. Yeah. So you have, you have space, time, and matter there. Well, God existed prior to that. See, God is not bound by our laws or our world. He's outside of it. <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that's all, all good. Well, that brings us to this idea, this thought, though, of, well, they say, okay, yeah, I, I, I'll give you that. Verse 3 is the beginning of the creation. But as you said, people will say, well, verse 1 and 2 are just a summary statement, uh, whatever that means. Um, I guess they're trying to say this is how God began. I guess that's what they're saying, right? Right. right. Before he made it, this is like the foundation of what he's about to do. Sure, sure. Uh, but there's a couple problems with that. First of all, I've actually heard this, um, people that were trying to uh, debunk the gap, and, and uh, I've said this before, and I think it's pretty funny, but they said it's kind of like my grandma when mm. she's uh, baking a pie. You know, she has the apples on her counter, and she's got the flour out, and the sugar, and the milk, and her rolling pin, and but they're nothing yet. They're without form and void, and and you know, then she starts putting everything together, and she's cutting up the apples, and she's adding the sugar and the cinnamon, and right. she's rolling out the dough, and she's putting it in there, and then she puts it in the oven, and she bakes it, and then it becomes that apple pie, and that's that's verses three to the end of the chapter. And I said, well, okay, that's good. The only problem was, does your grandma do that in the dark underwater? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it says. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the idea, this idea that God created, right? This, this is supposedly a summary statement, that he created the heaven and the earth. So it's created. But yet it's without form and void and darkness, and it's submerged in water. There is no heavens yet. There is no even, like, space. Everything is submerged in water. And, and so... We have to ask ourselves, does this idea of a earth 
that is without form and void, submerged in water, correspond or, 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 or go along with the rest of the verses and what God says and how God says he made everything and created everything. And I would say it does not, Brother Brian. What's your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, we maybe should have started with this, or at least on that point. But it's without form. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. Right. First of all, God made it to be inhabited. He made it to be, he created it to be inhabited. Mm -hmm. He created it not in vain. If something is without form, that that doesn't sound good. Absolutely. But beside the terminology, is that how God makes something? God says, let there, and it happens. Let there, and it happens. Let there, and it happens. There's a star. I want a moon. There's a moon. Not, it's without form, and God's got to mold it. Like, that's not how God operates. You don't have to mold anything. If it's without form, something happened. That's not God. Something bad happened. That's where the gap comes in. Right. It was void. Right. That's not good. Right. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the and the Spirit of God moved upon faith. Where's the water come from? Right. Why is it which darkness, I think, is one of the great points. I don't Absolutely. know if I want to get on that now or later. Well, probably Why either. is it yeah. dark? Why is there water there? That hasn't been created. Darkness. Darkness is always associated with great things in the Bible, yeah, right? right? Oh, wait, no. Right. Now, darkness is always associated with God because God is always... No. It's yeah. dark because something happened. It's void because something happened. It's wet because there was a flood. But And you read the rest of the Bible and you'll get 50, 60 verses that back that up. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so it's not a summary. Something bad happened. Verse 3 is a recreation. Yeah, absolutely. So you exactly said... Well, what I was going to say, when we look at the rest of the verses and how God, even when talking about creating the heavens and the earth, there's not a single verse that alludes to that he creates this ball of jello or mass that has no form to it and it's submerged in water and it's complete darkness. By the way, I'll just throw this out there, that God is light mm. and in him yeah. there is no darkness at all. So the Why is there darkness? Yeah, yeah. If he's, if he's light... <laughs> Right, kind of like what you read at the beginning. When you learn about the uh, the past, you can learn about the future, and you learn about the future, you can learn about the past. Just like how in the new heaven, new earth, there yep. is no darkness. Yeah. Why? Because God is light. There. Well, this would be saying the thing would be true in the right. beginning. There is no darkness. Right. If God is light, then why is there darkness? There can't be darkness. <laughs> That's my point. Yeah. That's very clear in the Bible. I don't know how, just that one point, I don't know how you would get around that. Exactly. It's not, a, well, it's just coincidence. Dark. No, darkness is bad. It's yeah. evil. And then in the eternity, there is no darkness. They have no need of the sun, for the lamb is the light thereof. There is no darkness exactly. when God is around. If there's darkness, something happened. Right. Something bad happened. Absolutely. And what they'll say was, well, darkness, and, and we'll talk more in depth about this probably next time, but uh, they'll say, well, darkness is just the absence of light. Well, is, is God not present here? How is it the absence of light? I understand that darkness is the absent light, but but my my uh, objection to that is God's here. God's creating everything, and so how is there darkness? Why is there darkness? So darkness is a, a crucial thing. But back to how God uh, God said, and you you summarized it well. Hebrews eleven three and Psalms thirty three verses eight and nine. He spake and it was done. He commanded mm. and it stood fast. Uh, again, back to Hebrews eleven three. Through faith we understand that the words of the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are uh, seen were not made of things which do appear. So again, God speaks it, and there it is. God doesn't create things in vain. And that reference you were summarizing, Isaiah 45, 18, the Bible says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He established it, he created it, not in vain. 
He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So he said when he created it, he created it not in vain. Well, verse 2 seems pretty vain to me. <laughs> Useless, pointless, can't be inhabited. Empty, void, dark. Right? What about so, Isaiah 45, 7? I form the light. Now look at these contrasts. Right. I create evil I, and create darkness. Light's the opposite of darkness. Amen. I make peace, that'll go with light, and create evil. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's contrasting light and dark and peace and evil. Evil is connected with darkness. I, the Lord, do all these things. And number one, God creates darkness. Absolutely. If the darkness is there, God created it. Right, right. Because something happened. Exactly. So they act like it wasn't created. It just happened because he made everything. No, God did create darkness, so there's a reason for it. And so let's maybe what we'll do is, because we're at the 52-minute mark, let's just close out talking about darkness for a minute and, and its correlation. And yeah, with we'll, Paul mentions for yeah. the parallel there, too. Exactly. In Corinthians. Yeah, and we'll, we'll probably summarize with that. You, you bring that up at the end, and we'll talk about that. But let's talk about darkness for a moment. Um, Brother Brian, will you read the the uh, Genesis 1, and you come back there in a minute. But Genesis 1, can you read day 1? So obviously verses 3 to about 5, I think it is. And, and I want you all to listen and pay attention, because we're talking about darkness for a moment. All right. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, a lot of people make the error, and they say there was only one day that's not called good. That's not true. Actually, day one is not called good. There's something in day one that's called good. Mm. It's the light that is called good. He doesn't say day one is good. That's coincidence. That's just yeah. See, that's a Bible believer. We right. look at all these words and they, they mean matter. something. And what does he do? He divides the light from the darkness, and he calls the light good. You know what that implies? That darkness is not good. What's going to say? Well, what's wrong with the darkness? Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's and he's pointing something out. Now read uh, day two, if you would, six through eight or whatever that is. All right. And God said, "Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters." And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And it was good. No. <laughs> yeah. No. No mention of good when God creates the ferments and the heavens, and you're talking outer space and all that, and the waters that are above. We'll talk about that next time, too. wonder why. But day two is not mentioned as good at all. What is the key, one of the key attributes when you look outer, uh, uh, at night, when you look out of the sky? It's darkness. You know what's out there? darkness. <laughs> and yes, you have the moon and the sun and the stars that are for signs and seasons, and they, they light, and they're supposed to rule over the night. But the number one attribute of outer space is darkness. Yeah. And uh, so the Bible has a lot to say. But day one's not called good. It's only the light is called good. It's the dividing from the darkness. Day two is not good, and it has to do with that uh, firmament. It has to do with the waters and what's outer space. And that's why the Bible says the heavens are unclean in his sight, because there's something out there. <laughs> Yeah, just insert here, just for a preview for the next podcast, something happened, we'll tell you what. Something's not good, we'll show you what. Something happened, we'll show you when, hap when it happened and why it happened. All these, all these answers are in there. You're going Isaiah 14, yeah, Ezekiel 28. Absolutely. You're going to Psalm 18. You're going to 2 Samuel 20, 22 or 23, whatever is a parallel with Psalm 18. You're going in Habakkuk. You're, there's so much stuff in there that ties in with this and gives us all the details. But 
yeah, we'll look at that next time or whenever, hopefully. But yeah, the answers are all there, but something happened, something bad happened, and yeah, it's so crazy. So a couple other things about this darkness. Uh, we know in Genesis 1, 14 through 19, the moon is to rule over the darkness. Now we understand in types and pictures that the sun is a picture of the sun of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the moon is a picture of what? The church. The church, right? <laughs> uh, Solomon says that his bride is fair as the moon. Well, if we are to rule over, we are to be the light to the night, which is a picture of the world. Is that darkness good? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is the world? Uh, well, the world's for, great before God, yeah. <laughs> or is the world evil? The world's evil. Present right. evil world. Galatians so one four. That darkness in Genesis one fourteen through nineteen, and how we're supposed to rule over it, shows the contrast of how we are the light. We are what's good, but the world is evil because it is in darkness. Um, Genesis fifteen twelve through fourteen talks about the horror. Of darkness. That doesn't sound good. Um, the ninth plague in Egypt, darkness was felt. That was a plague. It was a judgment, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't good. There wasn't darkness in the land of Goshen where the Jews were, but there was darkness right. all over Egypt. Exactly. That's the. So, doesn't sound good. Yeah. A uh, cloud of darkness separates Egyptians from God's people. Exodus 14. Uh, darkness separates God from sinful people. And there's all types of references. Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 4, Joshua 24. Um, darkness connected with blindness and the curse for disobedience. Deuteronomy 28. Um, I could go on and on with these uh, likenesses, what God likes. Wicked, silent in darkness. Death at birth as darkness. Darkness and death. Um, you could go on and on. Well, other than that, it's really good and positive, yeah. though. Yeah, you know, you know what they'll do? What? They'll, they'll draw one, what they think is positive, and I, I still don't even think it's positive. Well, God dwells in the darkness. And they'll, they'll have a couple verses where it talks about he dwells in the darkness of his cloud. But they fail to realize that's God separating himself. Yeah, I think that's from our perspective. Yeah, he's separating himself from his creation because of sin. It wasn't like he's in darkness and that's his glory. There's a reason. But that answers, or that alludes to, if people understand that, of why there's darknesses in Genesis 1-2. God separated himself and his light from sin and fallen creation. Sounds like something happened, but there's nothing in Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, so nothing must have happened, I guess. Didn't Paul tell us to cast <laughs> off darkness? <laughs> I guess we could look at the rest of the Bible and we might get some more information. So uh, I could go on and on, but uh, darkness is, is uh, just filled. There is so much on darkness, you literally have to just ignore. Now, so what you do as a Bible believer, what I'm encouraging you to do is study the Bible out, see what darkness is connected to, and just say, well, this darkness probably, odds are... Most likely, it's probably saying the same thing the rest of the Bible is, if I were to guess what it's connected with. And so darkness is connected with death and judgment and separation from God and sin and evil and wickedness. And that's why it's there in Genesis 1-2, by the way. I got two more on go that, ahead. since we need yeah, more. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Isaiah 50, verse 3 says, I clothe the heavens with blackness. Yeah. Let's see if it's a positive or negative connotation. And I make sackcloth. That's mm. not good. Yeah. They're covering, and then Revelation 6.12, I beheld when he had opened a sixth seal, right. and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became his blood. That was just God That's beginning his creation. Oh, yeah, beginning, <laughs> beginning his... Oh, it's, 
seven vials. Yeah, or, just the beginning of it. That's why there's darkness there. No, in all seriousness, um, you have to dismiss a whole lot of Bible just to get rid of the idea of a gap. Now, again, most people do this because they visited the Creation Museum, and I'm not against the Creation <laughs> Museum in itself. I wish they were King James. They're not. Uh, but, you know, when you go there, these young earth creationists have uh, staked their uh, their name of fame and the repetition on the fact of a, a young earth, and therefore they oppose to the death the idea of a Genesis gap because they think it teaches evolution. So they got a whole display there about the heresy of you know the Genesis gap, and most people, um, if they believe it or not, that are anti-gap, social Bible believers, are influenced somehow, some way by the young Earth creationists. And mm-hmm. I would just ask you, thank God for their ministries on creation, but most of them are Bible correctors. Yeah, most of them don't even believe they have God's pure words like you, you and I do, who are Bible believers. So, um, what else you got? And then maybe you can read if there's any questions or comments or anything. So, yeah, I don't really see anything. No, good. That's okay. I thought there'd be some questions, but... Yeah, we, I didn't do a real good I know job one question it. a brother gave me that we haven't brought up. I don't know if you want me to mention that. Yeah, you can Because it's up. a good objection. You want me to read this, Corinthians? Yeah, read Corinthians. Or, all right, this is along the same lines. Yeah, the same lines. All right, I'll read that, then you can comment on it. Sure. Or you can tell me to, whatever. <laughs> Second Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, Genesis 1, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so what Paul does is Paul believes in the Genesis gap. (laughs) He does, because he relates that darkness of Genesis 1-2 to our lost sinful condition. And just like how God called the light out of darkness, he says, so were you, just like how you were dead in sin and you were in darkness, so was this world. But then God said, let there be light, and that's what happened when you got saved. By the way, how does that happen? When the Spirit of God moves, Mm. and what does it do? It brings forth light. And then what does God do when you get saved? He separates you, light from darkness. And then what are you supposed to do? Bring forth fruit. Be fruitful. Multiply. Yeah. And you see all the types of salvation. It doesn't make sense if... Yeah. The gap isn't so. If there's no sin, if there's no rebellion, and that darkness is not an evil thing, then then Paul's illustration of Genesis chapter 1, comparing it to our salvation, makes no sense. But if there's a gap, and that darkness represents sin, then it makes perfect sense. So um, feel free to, if you wanted to bring up whatever you want. Yeah, the, or, one, the one objection that I heard? Yeah. There were several, but I, it's kind of like the main one. Sure. Is Romans five twelve? Okay. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Sure. And that, of course, is true. We yeah. are all sinners. We all must be born again because yeah. going all the way back six thousand years, our father was a sinner. Yeah. So if sin entered the world from some gap, you gappers are talking about. Then that verse isn't true. I just disproved the gap because sin didn't enter by um, Satan 10,000 years ago or 10 million years ago, however many millions of years you evolution compromisers are trying to add in there. Sin entered the world by Adam first only. There couldn't be no sin before Adam. And if the gap is true, Satan sinned before Adam and all that kind of thing. So I'm right. Right. So you want me to answer that? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Or do you want to answer it? Answer. Okay. Well, there's lots of answers. Yeah, yeah, there's but... <laughs> so there's a couple things. There's a lot of couple, faults with yeah, that argument. A couple things. First of all, it, that verse does not say that Adam sinned first. It doesn't. 
That's, well, that's, from my argument, he did. Yeah, from your argument. But so here's the thing: if you just go <laughs> yeah, back and even read, without a gap, yeah. that's not a good argument. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't say it. Doesn't say that. It just said by whereby one man sin entered the world, right? But anyway, so he does. It doesn't say he sinned first. As a matter of fact, we know he doesn't sin first. Yeah. Because um, when I read Genesis chapter three, I believe the serpent sinned first. And who right? sinned even second? Don't believe it, even if you don't believe in the gap, right? Right. So what I'm saying. And by the way, he is already the serpent. He's already fallen. He's already questioning the word of God. Right. They, some people want to make that's his fall. No, the Bible tells you why he fell, and it wasn't because he tempted Eve. It's because he got lifted up in pride and said, I will Why be. would he want to tempt Eve? What, right. How was that a temptation from? Yeah. What does that have to do Isaiah with? Isaiah like, 14 is the temptation. Like, what does that have to do with? Yeah, exactly. What does that have to do with? <laughs> I want to be the, the most high. Yeah. You know what I mean? It makes no sense. But Adam was the third to sin, right? Exactly. Because Eve sins before Adam. Yes. So their theology, and I'll answer about the whole sin into the world thing in a moment. Yeah. Their whole theology is wrong in, in regards to that objection. Uh, Satan sins first, Eve sins second, and then Adam sins. So obviously, Romans 5.12 has to mean something different, or they don't have a full understanding. And I'll just quickly summarize. You get your sinful nature from Adam. We in we're, um, in Adam all die, right? I mean, not from angels before the nope. fall in the gap. Nope. You exactly. Don't get, right. So you don't get your sinful nature from from Lucifer's sin. It's not passed on to you because you're not born in his image. But according to Genesis five three, all mankind are now born in the image. Listen, not of Eve. But of Adam. Mm. And we understand, study out more, Leviticus 17:11. This is also why Jesus Christ had to be born of a virgin, that you get your sinful nature, it's passed on through your sinful blood from your father, not your mother. And that's why Eve's sin, although she sinned first, would not have affected all of mankind. She would have simply died. Adam would have went on, he would have still been sinless, and God could have made him a new wife, and the human race would have been fine. But the sinful nature is passed on from the father. Right. And so the seed. The seed. Is that why we have to be born again? That's why we have to not be born of again. corruptible seed, because but our, of incorruptible. That's right. Because the first birth is corruptible seed from your father, Adam. Right? And so this is why Jesus Christ has to be born of a virgin. He has to have sinless blood from God the Father. And uh, it's also a sign. But uh, that's what Romans 5:12 is talking about. Now, but let's talk about sin into the world. Because even if we clear up that doctrine that doesn't still explain about how Adam's sin brought sin in the world, well, I would simply tell you this that's what the verse is conveying because it's passed on through his seed. But second of all, as we already told you, because of the gap and because of the judgment, and we didn't get into the details, we probably should have explained at the beginning what the gap is. Some people probably don't know, <laughs> and so maybe we'll do that in conclusion. But, but the point is, when, when Lucifer sinned, that, listen, world was judged and that world perished ah, according to second peter chapter three there you go and so this world that adam sends in he's responsible for bringing sin into this world and lucifer was responsible for bringing sin into the previous world it's kind of how like god's going to burn up the heavens and earth and he's going to make a new world where the sinful nature of adam will not affect there was another world prior that Lucifer sin affected, but Adams didn't. <laughs> well, I believe I was sitting, because I take classes at LBI too, and in Rightly Dividing class, and you teach that, and you taught, Yeah, because I 
there's probably 30, 35 things that can be rightly divided, you know, right. baptism and resurrections and judgments and gospels and temples and sons. Sure. I mean, it just goes on and on. Rightly divide God, rightly divide heaven, rightly divide hell. Right. But you mentioned worlds. Yeah. And that term worlds is all different. Jesus Absolutely. Christ talked about neither hath forgiveness in this world or in the world to come. Absolutely. The millennium is re referred to as the world to come. That's right. And then we know, because you already quoted it, 2 Peter 3 is going to be another world. That's right. So there's all different worlds. Right. And, and what I pointed out there, rightly dividing, a world is um, indication of a time frame, but slightly different than ages, and world is, has more to do with its rulers, yeah. earth, kings, kingdoms, and so that makes perfect sense. There was a ruler of the earth who had a kingdom, who had a throne, but that world was judged, and it perished. By and water? So, yeah, by water. And so God, <laughs> this is our summary of what happened. Yeah. He, he then separates that water. He creates light. He lets be light, recreates everything. And then he, now he crowns a new person, man. Yeah. He crowns him. And now he has dominion yeah. over the earth. And now, but Adam sins, he brings sin into his world. So that's the answer. Right. And our world. father is Adam. That's right. It's not uh, Satan or right. any right. of the third of the angels that fell. That's yeah. got nothing to do with us. So Romans 5.12 doesn't yeah. do anything. Yeah, and then we believe it. About it death and do animals and, and curse and all that. Again, it was a different world. That world perished. So Lucifer's sin was judged. It was dealt with. And God made a whole new world. Uh, <laughs> he's a, so, he knows I want to sing it. Yeah, I know. I know. I was thinking that. So anyways, uh, um, Anything else? Any other comments, questions? If not, that's no, fine. No. no, it's fine. No, no comments, really. Questions. All right, if, just if, support. Uh, just love out there. Praise the Lord. If, if you all <laughs> would like and share this video, and if you'll leave any question or comments when we do part two of this, because we will do part two of this, um, we will try to answer them at that time. Uh, plus, I'll try to have it set up. It's been a little bit busy. We, uh, we're thankful to be able to do this tonight. Amen. But... Um, Next time, I'll try to have the comments where they can pop up like we did before, because I like that. I would say, any closing thoughts? Do we want... I think I think it's a little much. Maybe maybe next time we'll talk about... Because we, we were pretty emphatic about this darkness is not good. It was probably implied where we believe it came from, but maybe not quite clear. But I feel like that'd be a good place to start next time as where does this darkness come from? Why is there darkness? And move on in the Genesis gap from there. But I do want to go back and circle back to the importance of words. We spent a lot of time on darkness, but there's some other key words that we did not talk about, like without form and void, mm. especially when they appear together. You look out without form by itself, void by itself, but uh, God's book is an amazing book. And so there's only one other time where without form and void shows up, I'd encourage you to study that out. I won't even mention where it's at. And uh, read it, study it, and find out if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, speaking of that, yeah. I know a similar um, usage of the word, but it's not that, because I know what you're talking about, yeah. and we'll, yeah. I won't mention no, that. Yeah, right. But I have another one that's very similar. Do you sure. want me to read it? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see if this is good or bad. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Of course, great messianic chapter in the Bible. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no no form, no comeliness. Yeah. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, rejected of men. Mm. So yeah, there's that.
<laughs> Amen. And that's what we do as Bible believers. That's how we started off this podcast. That's one of the things I, I believe that's important. That's why you cannot just dismiss the gap because you need to run all the cross-references. And uh, so if not, you have to say, yeah, darkness is good, except for here. It's a, I'm sorry, darkness is bad, except for here. It's a good thing or it's a benign thing. It doesn't mean anything. Well, are you sure about that? Or are you, are you just stuck on the fact that there's not a Genesis gap and therefore you'll ignore and be <laughs> willingly ignorant <laughs> of the fact that God already destroyed heaven and earth once because he does warn that some folks will be willingly ignorant of this fact. And some will say, well, how could that be? Well, maybe because they just will dismiss clear things like God said that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And I believe that's one way to be willingly ignorant of a fact that there was a Genesis gap and a flood and a destruction by saying, no, those words just don't mean what they mean everywhere else in the Bible. So any closing thoughts, brother? Not really. I'm at loss for words for first time in my life. Mark it down. <laughs> write it on a calendar. It won't happen again. So praise the Lord. Uh, I would just say uh, it's, it late is late night. and it's a blessing. I, I appreciate uh, doing these with Brother Brian. Keep us in prayer at Lighthouse Baptist Church. God is doing amazing things. Keep our institute, Lighthouse Amen. Bible Institute, in prayer. If uh, you're looking forward to taking any classes, we will be opening up around uh, probably November, mid-November, and into December. Uh, obviously, we will start up the end of December for semester number two. And a lot of these classes, you can jump right in. I encourage you to do so. You can take the classes live in person from the convenience of your home. You can stay at your local church and serve, And uh, but uh, it's been good. So the closing comments is God's book is amazing, and we're thankful that we have his words. Um, and until next time, I would say do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding.